Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Cheaper Than Therapy, a podcast that journeys into conversations that demystify, destigmatize, and desensitize what goes on both inside the therapy room and in daily life. I'm Vanessa Bennett. And I'm Danae Logan. And we are seekers, soul sisters, and holders of sacred space. Every week, we sit down for soul-provoking conversations with fellow seekers, thought leaders, change makers, and even real people during live coaching sessions as they navigate the hard work it takes to be a human. This is Cheaper Than Therapy. Finally decided that we're going to do a long weekend retreat because everyone's been asking us and we just wanted to find the perfect place. So we did. Yeah. And I think it's nice because there's something about doing a four night, three day retreat that makes it a little bit more accessible to everyone when a full week away can be tough. Totally. And, you know, we really decided to do it this time on just so many of the themes that feel alive in our work with our clients and what the, you know, the conversations we're having in our group work with clients um, around the shift in what's happening right now in the collective. Yeah. And what's happening for women. I think it's a really unique moment in history that we're living through. You see it in so many of the conversations that are happening with, you know, the success of the Barbie movie, the way we're really challenging these patriarchal structures that we talk about constantly and how much the level of discontent and, Mm. um, knowing that something needs to change within my life, but what does that look like even knowing it, right? Yeah. And I think a lot of times people are coming to us in a therapeutic setting and they're telling us that they're feeling, you know, overwhelmed, resentful, disillusioned with their life, disconnected, right? That they're struggling to really identify kind of what is theirs and what is social programming, that they want something different and bigger from their lives, but they're not really sure, like, what does that look like and how do I get there, right? Yeah. So we want to create a long weekend where we're going to give you some of the tangible tools that we have incorporated into our own lives that we're working with and the clients that we work with and really what it looks like to start to embody the rise of the feminine principle that we know this moment in history is sort of prophesized to be about for all of us, right? Hell yeah. So we're also going to walk away really understanding what it means um, to envision our life with a real authentic sense of clarity, with purpose, with aliveness. We're going to have no apologies here, right? We're going to also break down some of the limiting beliefs and where they come from, right? So we're going to get into the upbringing component. Um, why and where is all of this highly codependent, patriarchal, misogynistic kind of, um, you know, approach to life? Like, why are we carrying this, right? It's really important for us to understand and break that down. Yeah. So we're calling it the return of the sovereign feminine. It's going to be in Malibu, California, the most beautiful estate, January 18th through 21st. And we're just really excited about this one. It feels really close to our hearts. Yeah. So you can click on either of our bio links on Instagram or social, um, or you can go to my website, vanessabena.com backslash retreats, and you can check out all information there. Mm -hmm. 
Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Cheaper Than Therapy. I am so excited for today's guest. This is someone who, you know, I feel like we get these little reminders of why social media can be such an unbelievably potent tool for connection. And that aspect of technology is really beautiful. And Alexandra is someone who I think just reached out to do a live at one point and we kind of like fell in love with each other's energy and mission in life. And I was like, Vanessa, you've got to meet her. So I'm so excited that she came in to do this conversation and we got to share a little bit of her wisdom. Yeah. I'm always, it's, I'm so glad that you like brought her into my sphere because she just feels like not only is she like our people, but she just feels like one of those little gems, you know, one of those gems in the corner of the world that I'm just glad that we got to meet and hopefully amplify her message mm. and her, you know, mission and all of those things. And so I'm, I'm really glad that we get to bring her here and introduce her to all of our listeners. Yeah. So a little bit about Alexandra. Alexander is founder and CEO of Hum Hum, and Hum Hum is a platform for conscious dating and connection, um, and it offers a new kind of dating experience. So it's just this container that values and supports kindness, intentionality, introspection, and authenticity. And I really think that what she's doing is going to revolutionize excuse me, the way that we connect and the way that we look at what it means to be in the space of attempting to not only just like find love and connection in that way, but really build community. And you did a, you did a live thing with them, right? Isn't that why you went to New York a few months ago? Well, I was in New York anyway. And Mm -hmm. I was like, um, you know, mentioning to her that I was going to be there and she was like, we should do an event. And it was so cool to see the people that Hum Hum brings in and the way that people are just like hungry to have a new conversation about what love and relationships moving forward will look like and can be, you know? Yeah. And I would say for anybody listening, because we've gotten a lot of, I know I have at least gotten a lot of people reaching out, asking questions like in our community, for example, our online community, you know, I think one of the conversations is always, how do I meet people who are Mm. talking about this stuff and who are desiring these kind of conversations, you know? And I think that what she's doing is bringing together people like that. And to your point, it's like, it could be for dating, but it also could just be to build community with like-minded people and, and other seekers. And so I just really appreciate the techniques that she's bringing into it. You know, Mm. it's not just like social gatherings. Like you guys will hear when you listen, she really has a lot of intention behind and in what she's doing and how she's actually bringing people together. And I just think it's so lovely. And I asked her at one point in the conversation, like, so where else are you doing these? Right. Cause she's in, she's based yeah. in New York and they have a couple cities, obviously LA being one of them, but I'm kind of excited for this to spread. I think yeah. that what she's doing is a movement. And I think, um, I don't know, I, I want to almost like put her in touch with people in different cities who like want to <laughs> take part in the movement. Cause I just think it's time. Absolutely. Yeah. Enjoy y'all. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Cheaper Than Therapy. I'm so excited for today's guest. Um, And it just feels really lovely and fun to get to have someone on the podcast that I have become not only friends with, but I'm just so unbelievably inspired by the way this human moves through the world and the vast amount of wisdom that um, you carry as you as you do the work that you do. Alexandra, thank you so much for joining us. Um, and so 
you know, we were chatting a little bit before we got started about the work that you do through Hum Hum, but I, I'd love it if you would, as we kick things off, just tell us a little bit about you and how you got started doing the work that you do at Hum, at hum Hum and how you like decided to create it. Awesome. Thank you. I'm so grateful to be here with both of you. Um, let's see where to start. I, before I was doing Hum Hum, I was actually working in strategy consulting, doing corporate innovation work. And kind of simultaneously, I had a parallel path um, that was helping me to stay connected to and discover myself. So I was doing a lot of um, Vipassana silent meditation retreat practice. Um, I did several different yoga trainings and practices. And I don't think I recognized it at the time, but what helped me to actually, like, I think survive the kind of corporate landscape was actually all of that work that I was doing. Mm-hmm. And there came a point where I knew I needed to take a break from kind of the grind. And I had the privilege of actually taking some time off. I had saved some money. I had downsized my apartment and I was living inside of like, basically I called it my tree house, like a room <laughs> that was on top of a close friend's garage. And mm-hmm. she was gracious enough to let me kind of camp out there and like figure out my next steps. And I realized, um, and I was living in LA at the time and I was like, okay, I think I'm feeling called to New York. Um, and that's where I have family and friends. And so as I moved back to New York, um, I was basically in this kind of spacious place of figuring out next steps, but also dating and Mm -hmm. the combination of being a little bit more open and spacious allowed me to, I had just come off of a five, uh, week silent meditation practice and the juxtaposition of that (laughs) and New York city's dating culture. New York. (laughs) was actually hilarious. Like there was a hilarity to it that (laughs) surprised me. I think Mm. I thought I would have been a bit bummed about it, but I was actually like, what's happening here? (laughs) And so naturally I, I have a kind of a background in design and product. And so my brain is very much a brain that thinks in potential and thinks in solutions and thinks Mm -hmm. in creative problem solving. And so I decided I wanted to explore how to create dating spaces that actually feel nourishing. Mm -hmm. And so I was teaching yoga in the Lower East Side at the time and the studio was like, sure, you can host your dating event here. And so I spun up this um, slow dating experience inside of the studio, I grabbed like 20 people that were friends of friends who didn't know each other and kind of orchestrated this experience. And from there, Hum Hum started to form itself. Mm -hmm. But the bones of that first experience, it was actually a really profound moment for me. I was actually sitting um, inside my childhood home. I had gotten in like a little weird tiff with my dad and I was just kind of sitting there and it felt like out of nowhere, this rush of energy that kind of moved through my system. And I was like, I need to open a Google doc. And I just started typing Mm. and I don't even remember processing what was coming out, but it was essentially the structure of hum hum. Mm. And 
that night, it was like the website wrote itself, the structure wrote itself, like the whole thing was just coming. And I was like, I need to capture this. And so I started kind of um, furiously writing. And, um, and so that's really how the whole thing got started. Well, so you kind of answered the question I was going to ask, which is, you know, I haven't been to specifically a hum hum experience. Well, sort of like we've, we've collaborated on some stuff, but I feel like what I'm so struck by in the way that you hold space for these connective experiences is it feels like such a, a structured facilitation experience that like leads itself to being in your heart and like opening up to mm -hmm. like the possibility of like putting down our masks and being present with one another and everyone in the room sort of does it. And it's really magical because you do it very quickly. So is that a little bit of what the download that you got was, was like how to do that? Cause I was curious. Yeah. Cause I want to know, like for somebody who's not familiar with hum, 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 you know, I mean, obviously I know you and I know the name cause Danae has, has partnered with you, but like, what makes it different? You know, what, what about these dating events is different than kind of other dating events? Like, I'm just curious, you know? Yeah. I'm happy to talk about both of those. So the structure, I can talk about the structure and then I can yeah. talk a little bit about why I see it working. Mm -hmm. Um, it, well, so for the events itself, and it's very similar in our guided one-on-one -on -one dates as well, but we set the tone with agreements. So everybody opts into a shared field of care. Mm -hmm. And those agreements are everything from taking self-responsibility to noticing when we make assumptions about other people, mm -hmm. noticing the judging mind that comes online in the midst of connecting with new folks, which is just common and human. And whether that judgment is directed towards self or towards others, you know, it's like whenever there's stress in the system, which is often common during mm -hmm. meeting new people, the critical mind can start going. So some of those agreements really help set the tone for the whole event. And I think when other people see and know that the others in the room are, have this shared understanding, it kind of creates a bit of um, ease in the system. So mm -hmm. that's the first part. And then um, we do an icebreaker just to bring everyone's voices into the space. And usually the icebreaker points to, you know, what, what are you coming in with? So what's your emotional experience right now? And um, welcoming people wherever they are. I think we often, you know, we live in a culture that wants us to show up in a certain way and we have to have our presentation and our, you know, energy has to be a certain way and really wanting to welcome people as they are into this space. And that kind of disarms folks. And then we do a series of like grounding practices because what I've experienced and found is that to me, the most nourishing connection experiences are the ones where I'm able to be in touch with my experience, but also able to share what's happening inside with somebody else. And that mm -hmm. kind of authenticity helps to foster the level of connection that for me feels really satisfying and nourishing. And from what we've heard from our community and members, similarly, just helps create a sense of connection that they wouldn't have otherwise gotten because we're slowing things way down mm -hmm. um, and setting the tone with let's lead from this place of being connected to ourselves first. And I think so often in a dating context, we are leaping out into the interaction and kind of abandon ourselves, you know, 
with everything from wanting to be liked or wanting to be um, perceived in a certain way or wanting to come across in a certain way. And when our energy is doing that, it's like we actually, in my experience, we lose energy. We like feel depleted Mm -hmm. rather than keeping a sense of connection here first and then sharing that out. Mm -hmm. So that's another piece. And then on the, in the group dating events, um, we do multiple, they're almost like speed dating rounds, but they're slow. And we use an insight dialogue format, which is where each person will get a designated period of time to speak. And the other person is just listening. And the reason we do that is similarly, it slows the whole conversation down so that you can become aware of the conditioning at play. And there's something that is nourishing intrinsically about that. There's like a self-discovery or self-learning mm-hmm. process that's happening. And so when you're in the posture of the speaker, you know, we invite people to pay attention to what it feels like to take up the space of two to two and a half minutes, what it feels like to have that attention on you. How's the speed of your speech? How's mm-hmm. the breath in the body? Like just paying attention to the cues of what's happening inside. Again, reinforcing that whole practice of staying connected to self first. And then in the posture of the listener, practicing with being aware of where the mind goes when we're listening, how Mm -hmm. often and common it is to adopt um, strategies to try to connect that actually bring us further, both from ourselves and the other person. Like, I'm going to relate to what you said, or I want to ask a question, Mm -hmm. or I want to give you advice, or Um, I'm already pre-planning what I'm going to say. And like, none of these things are bad. It's just that, are they actually helping to foster connection? And usually what people find is when they slow down and recognize those things, they have more agency to choose how they want to respond in connection and can also find the intrinsic value in just witnessing somebody, just receiving them, trusting that their presence is enough. So that's a big part of the dialogue practice that we do. And it's both in the group events and in the one-on-ones. And then afterwards, uh, we do just like a full group debrief where everyone can kind of share what they learned, which supports some of that reflection and integration of how do I want to now take this experience and what moved in me, what shifted, what I noticed, what I learned into my life, into my dating practice outside of Hum Hum. one of the things that I get really lit up by is that people have shared that after dating with Hum Hum for a little bit, they feel reinvigorated to actually date even on the apps again or Mm -hmm. out in the wild. And they'll more quickly be able to connect with folks um, from an authentic place. So for me, I'm like, whether you're dating with us or whether you're dating wherever, if I can help make the process feel more delightful, more connected, Mm -hmm. more self-resourced, that's really why this work feels important to me. Well, also what you're teaching people even within that moment is something that they're going to then take out and use in their work interactions and their family interactions and their, you know, any interaction. And so really you're also like establishing a foundation of connection to self and communication skills and techniques that the average person doesn't get, right? Unless they're in like intensive one-on-one therapy, for example. So in general, it's not just dating. I mean, the, the work that you're doing, it feels like has a lot of, you know, far reach 
like far beyond them working with you. I'm curious too. There's one question I thought to myself, would you consider yourself an introvert? (laughs) Do you know how much I was like, I feel like it's dating for introverts. That's exactly (laughs) in my head. I was like, you literally created dating for introverts. Like that's Alexandra. What the sub <laughs> the subline of your dating is? Because as you're talking about like, this kind you need of to dating, market it that way. <laughs> as you're talking about like, this, I'm like, it sounds great, but like, do people need instruction on this stuff? But this is because yes, I'm yes, such an extrovert that like I'm out there like, and I'm like dragging people into my sphere. And I'm now, granted, to your point, like all kidding aside, it is a different way of relating, right? And a lot of times, mm. even in my extroversion. I'm not relating to people in the deepest, most centered way and in a way that is very grounded and slowed down because not only am I extroverted, I have ADHD. So the idea of slowing down and connecting with something is a lot different for me. But Mm. hilariously, I was like, this is dating for introverts. (laughs) You're not wrong. I I love her. Yeah. No, (laughs) you guys connected. (laughs) Yep. I love her. This is so good. It's such a good point because I think to your point, the structure is really supportive for folks who do need just more to really slow it down. And I think even for the extroverted people, when they're engaging with an introvert, it could help actually foster more connection. Or like I haven't seen, I've seen extroverts like really enjoy the process as well. And struggle. It's an interesting, yeah, it's an interesting, like, it's an interesting question. I would like to reflect more on that one, but I think you're you right. Add, I think I, you should gather data. I'm just, I would be super curious about the That's data. really interesting. Yeah, no, it's true. I do think I'm more of an, I'm like an extroverted introvert because I'm very comfortable socially, but I think for a while I was comfortable because I was in patterning. Like I was mm-hmm. able to like show up and facilitate conversations, but I would be exhausted. Yeah. And so I was like, how do I not get exhausted from socializing? I can like hold a conversation. I can engage almost anyone. Like I feel confident in that, but it was like not fun for me. Like yeah. it was fun for a little bit. So I think there is something in there around introversion, extroversion. Yeah. Well, I think what's interesting about you saying that, Alexandra, is I think for most of my life, I performed extroversion because society really rewards extroversion Mm -hmm. so much more than introversion. And I think that there's a way that, you know, the exercises that you're describing, some of those things are things I do with couples when they have lost the ability to really be present with one another. And so I think it's beautiful that, as Vanessa said, you're sort of facilitating, like, here's how we connect from the jump. Here's a skill set to play with incorporating in the way that you're meeting everyone. Because I do think um, even for people who tend to be a little bit more extroverted, there can be a performance element of that. Like, I joke with Vanessa a lot, like, you can talk to a brick wall, like, but I know some of that is that's because she knows how to do it really. It's like a skill set. Now, is she like always getting energy from it? I would, I mean, I don't want to speak for you, but maybe not, you know? No. And you're right. It is. It's a skill. It's like a, and it is a bit of performance. Not, not always. Right. But I definitely have the ability to turn it on and turn it off. I think a lot, maybe easier, right. Than somebody who's more Mm -hmm. introverted. Like it's not that you can't do it. Right. But I think it's easier for me to do it. Um, And I, I also think that when you, 
I don't know. My mind just went into also being from corporate for a really long time. That was my world prior to, you know, doing what I'm doing. I was thinking to myself, God, I could also see how coming in and doing some of these workshops in a corporate environment would be so amazing in order to help instill healthy dialogue and communication within the corporate landscape, right? Like you could just take home and be like, oh, we have a, we have a corporate branch. Like we have a, you know, here's how we communicate at this level branch because holy shit, we need it in corporate, right? Totally. And actually, it's funny you say that we're doing, um, we have a workshop we're hosting for Headspace uh, today, actually, after this call. So there is a lot of value there. And one other thing you made me think of that I forgot to mention was we do guided conversation prompts, which Mm. that part I don't think is innovative. I think people use conversation cards and all sorts of things. However, it's like the prompt at the intersection of something that's like unfamiliar for you to talk about, but easy enough Mm. to recall helps get out of some of that programming of like, what do you do for work? Or like, tell me about your past and history, like stuff that people are just like, eye roll bored of themselves, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's like, what I found is the more we can get people to actually like fall in love with themselves in the process, it's like, Mm -hmm. oh, I want to share about this thing because it lights my heart up. Mm -hmm. That's why we use the prompts because it's, it is true. We can go into that kind of robotic, mechanical, let me just tell you the things I'm used to telling you because they're they work or you know they do the, mm-hmm. the job, but I'm kind of bored talking about it, and so we'll do things like especially in a virtual landscape. And this was really helpful during the pandemic when everyone was you know stuck inside and remote. We'd have them do like grab an object in your space that makes you feel creative, you know. And it's mm-hmm. like hmm, I haven't thought about my creativity in that way, or you know now let, I get to show somebody I don't know, a tiny corner of my world. Like there's something very intimate about that, but it's also not too intimate where I'm like freaking out about it. So Mm -hmm. there's kind of this sweet spot of something that's easy enough to share that lights you up, but that's also like playful, fun, deep. And so that really helps. I've seen as well. Mm -hmm. What I love so much about you talking about, you know, that this process can support people in falling in love with themselves as they're sharing is that there's something about holding this thing of, and I, you know, I think you are facilitating connection more than even like dating or finding the one is like, you know, through the conversations that I've had with you. Um, And I love it because I think what I find so often with my clients who are not partnered is that the thing of these dating apps by design for the record. And I used to like be like, yeah, it's great. And I like, I have different conversations with my clients about dating apps today because I actually think they are very harmful (laughs) by design in terms of a lot of like the way that they make most people feel when you're in there. Like you Mm -hmm. will notice, like if you're on a dating app, it's very dehumanizing. It's very like, Mm -hmm. you know, keep swiping. Nope. Don't like the way that person looks like it's not like they're human beings, but also they're not designed to support people in connecting. They're designed to keep people on dating apps, spending whatever amount it is every month, feeling defeated and feeling like for some reason I'm broken and I can't find connection. And I really love to name that the more that that's just become clear to me. Um, and so I'm curious in terms of like the business model or like, like how, like, first of all, like, what are the demographics you're getting and like, how do you feel like it's going? And like, I, I'm just like curious about that because I'm like obsessed with like, oh, this is the way we should be meeting and connecting with other people, you know? Yeah. There's two things I want to say. One is in response to what you're sharing. And then I'll, I'll definitely talk more about the business model and like the demographics, but the big insight that came to me as I was starting to 
look at the modern dating landscape is that in wanting to help people feel good about themselves, I was like really examining, well, what has that sense of like, I can intrinsically like myself more when I show up in this way. Mm -hmm. And what I discovered was when we're cultivating heart qualities that we feel proud of, that we want to water the seeds of, we feel good. So whether that's presence, kindness, curiosity, um, you know, generosity, those are all things that even if the connection doesn't go anywhere, if we like brought those qualities forth, we're going to leave the interaction feeling good about ourselves. Mm-hmm. And how do we also water those in other people? And what I found too is like with the modern apps, it was almost like even if you were working really hard to cultivate heart qualities, you feel proud of dating, they actually have the opposite effect just by the nature of how they're designed. Like they're encouraging an impatience. They're encouraging a transactional approach. They're encouraging judgmental mind. Like, Mm. oh, I'm going to, instead of discernment, it's like, I'm going to judge. Like they're encouraging more of like the absence of intimacy. Like Mm. people are the, you know, reduced to these two-dimensional profiles, Mm -hmm. most of which most people don't render well in two dimensions like that, which is why I'm like, let's get them on a call. Let's get them in front of each other, like humans, human to human, because at the least you'll have a little bit of a heart sparkle of like, you're a person, I'm a person. We're both doing this weird thing called dating. Like (laughs) that feels way better than like next, 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 like that feels horrible. And, and then this other piece of like, it fuels an addictive mind state because what I've also discovered is that people want to feel like they're productive in dating because there's a FOMO around not dating. There's a FOMO of like, oh, am I not putting myself out there? And so I'll swipe to feel productive, but then I'll lose energy, get exhausted, feel burnt out, delete all the apps and then like rinse and repeat. I'll do it again in like a month. So yeah, that's a broader (laughs) pattern. Oh my gosh. It's so funny you say that because I hadn't, like, there's so much about relationships in general. Vanessa and I talk a lot about like how closely they mimic um, addictive patterns. Right. And then as you said that, I'm like, oh my God, it's literally like an addictive tendency that is being perpetuated because I can't tell you how often clients will say like, I deleted the apps and I'm right back on there. But also that like, I find myself using this almost like a game. Like it's like, like slot machines, right? Like, mm-hmm. what am I going to get? What's like today? And like that I'm on there just like, but we're doing that with human beings. And well, like when you really and with ourselves, that, right? Like the addiction yeah. to like flipping it around and actually saying also the addiction to being chosen, right? That we mm. talk about so often, which is like, how many yeah. people did I match with, right? Like how many people chose me? And so many of the people that I, I work with, it doesn't matter gender either, because I hear it from both. The number of people, you know, it's the same thing as how many likes you got on your Instagram post. It's exactly the mm-hmm. same concept of like, you get a little ping of dopamine every time somebody quote unquote chooses you, Right. And so even that part of it has been commodified. Even that part of it is like, oh, let's go into the psychology of why we want to be chosen and liked. Mm. And how can we make money on that? How can we commodify that? Right. Um, Which is interesting because I don't know if this is an, an extroversion thing, but I was thinking to myself, God, when I was 
um, single before my current partnership, I played around with dating apps for the first time because I was in a relationship in New York that was right when dating apps started coming up. So I, I never really got into them and I was on them for the hottest second. And I was like, nah, not for me. Deleted them immediately. I think I interacted with them for like maybe two weeks total. But I was so in my like knowing of like, ew, don't like this. Don't like the way this feels. Don't. And, and I know also that I have this ability to kind of like meet people in person. Right. And it's like my sweet spot. It's like, I, I can't be who <laughs> I am. I can't showcase who I am. I can't, like you said, that heart sparkle, like what lights me up when I'm this like two dimensional baseball card. And it just mm -hmm. at its core felt like icky and wrong to me. Um, but again, I don't know if that was like, I don't know if that's self-awareness or if that's just like my extroversion where I was like, yeah, this is not where I shine, but it was pretty quick that I was off of them. Yeah. yeah. It makes so much sense. It's like you had the knowing that this is not in alignment. This is not how you want to date. And I think that like, what's really sad is it does feel like they prey on our vulnerabilities that it's like, we're human beings. There is, you know, we do seek out the dopamine hits. There is that tendency to want to feed the things that make us feel good. But it's like, if we don't have the awareness to discern yep. that this is a short term little mm -hmm. buzz, but it's actually over time decreasing my sense of well being and self esteem and agency, actually, because we're putting our, you know, we're getting validation outside of ourselves. It's not really validating. So that, I mean, it's just such a toxic pattern of mm -hmm. like going to those apps when we're bored, when we're lonely, when we're wanting yeah. to feel validated. It's like, and then we feel horrible about ourselves that we don't have the self-control. And it's like, that's not your fault. They're literally designed to hook you. And so to me, it's like, how then can you cultivate more awareness of the patterning, but it's also like at a certain point that field is just too strong. The addictive tendency is too strong. It's like, don't expose yourself to the thing. So, but then people are like, well, then how, how do I date? That's, that's like the only way I'm going to meet people. So it's just this, yeah, this catch 22. And just to answer your question about, you know, who's been drawn to hum hum, um, what's actually kind of interesting so far and we haven't done a ton of like big marketing yet, you know, like we just haven't had the budget for it, but the folks that have been drawn, it's more, it's mimicking more of the wellness industry demographic than it is the dating. So like dating sure. demographics are usually like 75% men, 18 to 24 years old. And Hum Hum is actually mimicking wellness in that it's like 60, 40 um, women and, mm -hmm. um, 25 to 45 is kind of like the sweet spot. So slightly older and demographic. Um, we have a larger LD LGBTQIA plus community than um, representative. So we have like 25% of our community um, is in the LGBTQ. Yeah. So, but I think I'm curious to see how this evolves as we mm -hmm. grow and scale. Are you guys That's only in New York right now? New York, San Francisco, okay. LA, and then a lot of the folks on our platform are kind of willing to date outside of their main city. So sure. because I really see Hum Hum more as a practice container. It's like, come mm -hmm. get your reps in, date, do the thing, and then let that actually change you so that as yep. you're living your life, you show up differently and 
are just naturally more magnetic, more confident, more aligned. That's really what we're seeing. To meeting people in person, (laughs) right? I mean, to your point, it's like, I also think that we, this is great because so much of the last, let's say five years has been about bringing us into the home, bringing us online, disconnecting us from each other in a face-to-face way, right? Now, listen, there's been a lot of positives to that, obviously. I'm not going to say it's all bad. It's not. Um, but there is also negative, right? And the negative is exactly what you're speaking to. And so it, this isn't, you know, when somebody says, well, how else can I meet people? I'm like, you engage with people all the time, every day. But to your point, like, what are you attracting in? What are you putting out energetically? You know, like to kind of pick on Danae, like we were in Costa Rica for a, for a a retreat. (laughs) And I was like, girl, there are so many attractive men walking around this and get your face out of your phone and look up because like they're everywhere, you know? Um, But it is, it's a little bit introversion thing. I get that, but it also is a little bit of like, what are we working with? Like, what am I energetically out and in and out and Mm. in? And I think these apps, whether we're talking dating apps, whether we're talking social media apps, whether we're talking Zoom and just how we now work, like our actual work with each other, we're being trained to not do that. We're being trained Mm. actually to not put our energy out and then receive other people's energy anymore. Because what is this hitting? It's just hitting a screen. We're not actually energetically touching anybody, you know? And so, I don't know, just made me think of that. Like, this is just what all the training over the last five to 10 years has been. It's just not actually energetically connecting with humans. Yeah, I agree. I think there's a lot of that training and there's also like that, the, the confidence issue. I just think it's a little yeah. bit more socially intimidating since the pandemic in general, which is why it's like, how do we boost yeah. people's sense of confidence and enthusiasm about like, let me just go experiment. Let me just go see what this feels like. And Mm -hmm. also giving, I think the other piece that I'm really aware of is how our language falls short in terms of actually capturing the nuance of experience. And Mm so say more about that. That's interesting. Yeah. One of the things we talk a lot about in Hum Hum is like, what happens if there's you want to stay connected with somebody and like, how do you look at reciprocity? Like, Mm. so we talk about, does a connection feel complete or incomplete? Complete meaning maybe I really enjoyed our conversation. We had intimacy in the moment, but there's nothing more I need to explore. Like it's done. Mm. But usually what people do in those moments is when something feels complete, but there was a connection in the moment they'll try to draw the connection out into the next moment and say they want to stay connected when actually they're done. (laughs) And because they don't want to offend the person or make them feel like they didn't appreciate the thing in the moment. And so I think we just have a limitation around language to say, like, I really appreciated you. I appreciated this connection. I appreciated that whole exchange. And it feels complete. Mm. And then there's like, you know, the connections that feel incomplete, meaning oh, there's more I want to explore. There's something more here to continue into another moment in time. It's all we really get. You know, we get moments. We don't know Mm -hmm. what the thing's going to be, what it could be. And so I think there's just a lot of language missing to encapsulate, you know, that experience of feeling curious to keep exploring without putting it in a box too soon, without being like, oh, I'm interested in you. Like, I don't know. I don't even know you. I just know that I enjoyed connecting and I'm curious about continuing to connect. And so I just think we need more vocabulary, more language to capture the nuance of these experiences because what happens is people will clam up and they'll avoid 
continuing a connection because they're like, well, what if, you know, I'm misinterpreted, I'm misunderstood, I'm, um, it's not reciprocated. And then, you know, I feel rejected. Like that happens so often in dating or (laughs) they express interest, but it's actually platonic and Mm. they want to keep connecting, but they don't want to be misunderstood that they're now hitting on you. So it's like, there's just a lot that isn't spoken that I think people then err on the side of avoiding the whole thing altogether, which then again, like gets us back on our phones, the safer route, just keep swiping. I don't have to deal with Mm -hmm. the interaction part. I don't have to deal with like speaking my truth, Mm -hmm. speaking the subtle nuance of what I'm experiencing, because I don't even know that most people know the subtle nuance of what they're experiencing. So I'm really curious about how do we create more language together to describe and explore what's happening for each of us, which is why, again, like the whole slowing the whole thing down feels so important because it just moves too fast to really know. I think this is so important because something, you know, I ran a singlehood group for a while and I think like we would talk about topics like, you know, situationships and ghosting and fuck boys, like all of these things that would come up. And, you know, I would often be like, have you ever tried to tell someone, um, I think you're great and I'm just not interested. It's actually a lot more challenging. I mean, especially for someone's like, I don't like having that conversation. I'm pretty good communicator, but I think there's so much about the way that certainly like dating apps, but dating in general has been, like we've been conditioned to hold it that like my self-worth is somehow intertwined with whether or not I'm chosen as Vanessa was saying by this person, but it's really like a job interview and I'm either getting the job or I'm not. And we don't like really slow it down enough to be like, do I want this job? Am I I qualified for this job? (laughs) Is this even like a job that's going to bring fulfillment? We just like, we want to land the job because I'm on the interview and I don't want to be rejected. Um, And I just think that's so brilliant because we're not really mindful of like all of those things that you're describing as we do this dating process. Right. Like what if instead of it being this kind of binary, like I like you, I don't like you, we could actually be in togetherness relationally mm-hmm. around discovering what's true. Like, yeah. oh my God, that would just change the whole thing because all you need to do is tell me what's true for you. I'll know that it's not actually personal to me. And then I'll tell you what's true about me. And then we can like move on with our lives or continue connecting. Like it's just, but that just takes a different level of, I think, courage because beyond dating in most circumstances where we're not actually used to sharing our truth because we caretake for other people or we protect ourselves or all the things that we do. Well, it's like, it's courage, but it's also on top of courage, it's connection with self actually. Right. Because, you know, I was just thinking about, I have a client who, I mean, she does use the dating apps, but since we've started working together, you know, and so much of the work, I mean, I know that Danae and I both focus on with clients is around this idea of self-abandonment, right? And is around this like worthiness wound and this needing to be chosen, especially with women, right? Um, in this culture. And we've been working together now for, I don't know, let's say four or five months. And just in the time that we've been working together, the way that she is now coming back to me and relaying the type of dates that she's having, I mean, it is drastically different, right? Than the beginning. And I'm not like taking all the credit. It's not that, but it's just like what we've worked on in therapy. This is what you do. You work on slowing down. You work on getting in touch with yourself. Like what is that sensation in your body telling you? Right. And like, can you sit with that discomfort and not reach for the thing, whatever the thing is for you, the social media, the food, the person, right? 
And if you can, and you can build some resilience around sitting with your discomfort, which most of us were not taught, right? We didn't build that, that muscle. Then all of a sudden in these now dating experiences you're having, you're suddenly able to draw on some of that resilience. I can be uncomfortable. And in this moment, rather than saying, okay, yeah, let's, let me just bring this person home with me and I'll just sleep with them because like, ah, you know, it's fine. And I don't want to let him down and I don't want to feel uncomfortable. No, no, no. Actually in that moment, you're like, this doesn't really feel aligned. There's something in my system that's telling me, no, thank you. And I can actually look at this person and say, Hey, I had a great time, but this is where it ends. Right. And just in the difference in those kind of moments has been profound to watch her like recounting to me where I'm like, shit, man, this is it. It's all about our connection to self or lack thereof. Right. Our ability to sit with discomfort in ourselves and not, not self-abandoned in order to not feel uncomfortable. Right. And that's what you're really providing people. It's that it's like I was saying in the very beginning, it's this, what we do in therapy. It's like letting, letting you slow down and build that, that mm -hmm. muscle, if you will. Yeah. And I think you're pointing to something really important, which is that the more moments we accrue of mm -hmm. self-integrity, the mm -hmm. better we feel about ourselves. And so every single time we know something, but choose something else, it hurts in like such a like deep soul level way that, and that adds up over time and we lose self-trust and we don't feel good. And it's like, so it's like, what if dating practice became a way to accrue moments of integrity with self and over mm -hmm. time, then you build up that resilience, you build up that self-trust, you build up that sense of like self-respect, honestly, that mm -hmm. is so essential in relationship. And one of the things that Danae and I have talked about too, and I think this is like another challenge with the modern dating scene is that because it's so outcome oriented, success and failure is boiled down into such a myopic way. Mm -hmm. And it's like, just because something didn't last or isn't a life partnership, like, why is that a, why is that a failure? And I think that mm. that's part of this kind of modern perspective that it has to look a certain way for us to succeed in dating. And also like being partnered is, um, rewarded in our society. It mm. is a success symbol in a lot of ways. And so that messaging gets reinforced over and over and over. And if you don't have a really strong sense of, I am not defined by my partnership. I'm not defined by this lasting forever. My relationship's value and potency is not defined by how long it lasts, but rather like, again, is it in alignment? Can we keep like what's true here? I think just expanding the breadth of what we see as valuable as it yes. pertains to human relationships is just missing. I just adore you. You are a missing link, <laughs> Alexandra. Like, <laughs> I just feel like it's so, I mean, we talk about this constantly, but it's so important right now because I feel like we are expanding in terms of our collective consciousness to understand mm -hmm. there's some of these things that are not serving us that haven't been serving us for a very long time, but that we are like, we need connection. We do need to be connected to one another, but the way that we've been going about it, I think is a lot of times causing more harm yeah. and not, um, 
leading us towards the path of self-actualization and potential and really sort of like hindering our our growth and our progress. And I just think, thank you for, yeah. for following the call and doing this work. I think it's so unbelievably important. Hmm. Yeah. I feel like it kind of, like my soul, my, you know, mm. person chose this path because of, you know, I, I tried it the other way. It wasn't working well for me. So <laughs> I feel like just learning through, through going through it. And one of the things that um, I've been thinking a lot about and examining is how infrequently hmm. we even know our why, like, why mm -hmm. do you want partnership? Mm -hmm. And I feel like not only is this like not examined, but maybe at best our why is inherited. It's inherited from family, yes. from society. So it's like, there's this collectively assumed pursuit that we should all be on to go for partnership. Like, yeah. it's like, that's what you should be doing. And your, your life is not successful until you have that. Like, it's mm -hmm. like the job, you know, the successful career, the, some kind of a living situation that makes sense for you. And then the partnership, it's like those things. I mean, there's several other things, but like that we've all somehow agreed on makes us okay, successful, doing life well. And not only is, yeah, it's like, not only is that not examined, it creates so much suffering mm -hmm. if it's not examined. And I just don't think, yeah, I mean, I know there are people examining it. I just don't think it's like widely accepted yet to be like, is that for me? It's just yeah. assumed that like, that's what should be happening. So it's like, is that for me? And then why? And and Danae, you and I have talked about kind of shifting from this outcome orientation of like, I'm going to pursue partnership to a purpose orientation of this is what, you know, is on purpose for my path. And, and I think that's a bigger existential question and could evoke a lot of maybe existential terror for many folks <laughs> to actually be like, what is on purpose for my life? You know, yeah. and I'm not saying we need to all do that. But knowing like what's your purpose in any given moment, like if mm. your purpose is if, if you're dating and you're also interested in developing a practice of how can I stay in integrity with self, well, then maybe the purpose of my dating practice in this moment is to practice choosing myself and staying in integrity. Like mm, that's that simple, you know, it could be more micro like that versus like mm -hmm. big purpose does it all you know does mm -hmm. it all ladder up yeah I well that's it. what I say to my clients all the time like I'm like this is it that's what you're doing you're practicing like just I'm not saying that people aren't you know individual and we shouldn't respect the fact that you're having these connections and also can we practice like can we just use these interactions as practice mm -hmm. for what we're saying which is like building the self building connection to self building integrity right developing that that resiliency like we were talking about because they're doing the same so it's it, you're not you're not being mean you know what i mean <laughs> and the folks that can meet you in that practice like they're worth continuing to connect with like it's like mm -hmm. okay if i'm practicing self integrity and I still have this connection intact and they're actually like fanning that flame for me. They're like, yeah, you honor yourself. You do that. You know, it's like, cool. Okay. Well now we'll continue to be in relationship. Like it actually nudges us into alignment. I mean, I love it. And 
as you know, Alexander and I can like keep going and rapping forever. <laughs> so I, I feel like um, we have a series of questions that we ask all of our guests, but we might have to have you on for a round Part two, two. <laughs> and like get into the specific topics of some of these dating or connecting conundrums. But Okay, so the first question um, that we want to ask is, who have been your greatest teachers, mentors, people that have impacted your path, whether they're people you know or just their work has meant a lot to you? A couple people um, inspire me, so I'll just name on those. Um, Mm -hmm. My kundalini yoga teacher, Guru Jagat, um, who passed a couple years ago, was a massive inspiration for me. Um, bell hooks, massive mm. inspiration. That's right. And I mean, there's so many, it's really hard to name <laughs> specific individuals. It's like literally everyone who's ever fanned the flame of my own practice and spiritual growth. Mm. Like, mm. I feel like I'd be here for another two hours naming them all. So <laughs> I'll just pause with those. Oh my goodness. Um, So the second question that we have is around this concept of flow, right? Which I think just means a lot. It means different things to different people, but we're always just curious, you know, what is that for you? What is the thing that you're doing when you find yourself like blinking your eyes and six hours have gone by? Like, where do you tap into that feeling of flow? Yeah, it's a couple of different ways. Recently writing for me is just Mm -hmm. like my system is getting a lot of satisfaction from a combination of reflection and synthesis. So like I'll do just kind of like a speed writing and then grab themes and synthesize. And that's been really nourishing for me lately. The other is anytime I'm just doing like a deep practice, I can do that for hours and hours and hours and find myself um, just, yeah, feeling really held and connected. And maybe that's cliche to say, but Mm -hmm. I have a yeah, just a daily um, kundalini yoga practice that I I feel like is what allows me to create, honestly. Beautiful. Um, and what breaks your heart, Alexandra? <laughs> Those any voices that are still there that are like critical or um, that like forget, like forget the kind of perfection and what it is to be a human. Mm -hmm. And also uh, seeing other humans like in suffering and pain, this really breaks my heart. Mm Yeah. Yeah. And then the last question is a, is a deep one. We like to end on what is your favorite food? <laughs> I always question because like food, like I don't, I'm not good with food. Like I forget to eat. I like don't <laughs> care about like, it. What? I'm just like, don't understand people like, like you. Alexandra. Just, I just don't. I don't. <laughs> You had me up until this moment (laughs) and you lost her. (laughs) She's a bit of a foodie. I love, like, I'll enjoy a beautiful meal, but it's like, (laughs) it's that. It's like, if somebody made something for me that was like just an expression of their heart, I'm like, that fills me up. But in terms of flavors, like I love, um, 
I love like falafel and Mediterranean food. I love sushi. Mm. Um, honestly, I like a lot of things. Like I'm not, yeah. Yeah. It's not, I'm not a great person to ask this question to. <laughs> I mean, I get it. All right. I forgive you. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> she, I mean, she, she, she's here. She's like, she speaks the language in all the other ways. Me. Um, <laughs> but all jokes aside, Alexandra, I think you to me are one of those collisions that is such evidence of divine intervention and that the people are brought into your world that are meant to inspire you and lift you and make you believe in the work that you feel passionate about is so possible and like what we're here for. And I'm just so unbelievably grateful for the work that you're doing, the way you show up for it and your heart. Um, you're such an absolute treasure. I know I tell you constantly, but I'm really grateful to be able to share your wisdom and the work that you're doing with others. So where can those who are listening, who are interested in learning more about Hum Hum find you and, um, you know, get involved if they, would, if they would like to connect in this way. Thank you so much. Yeah. It's felt really meaningful to be in connection with you. And I'm so grateful to meet you, Vanessa too. And I've heard so much. So it's been really a treasure to sit down with both of you, hmm. um, to find me, well, to find Hum Hum, humhum.space <laughs> is the website. And our Instagram is also humhumspace. Um, yeah, those are the two best places. And on there, we have everything like events that we have coming up. If you want to try the beta app to do guided date experiences, coaching, um, you basically get a credit a month and you can apply that credit to events, to um, dates, or to coaching. And yeah, you can reach out to me via the website. And I love hearing from people who have questions or want to connect. Um, yeah, I think those are the best, best ways. Awesome. Good. And we'll link everything in the show notes. So for those of you listening, don't worry, it'll be there. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here. This was great. And yes, to Danae's part two, we will, we will be hitting you up again for sure. <laughs> awesome. I'm curious what your both favorite foods are. Like, what's your answer oh, to that? Well, this is Mac and cheese. <laughs> Mine's unequivocally mac and cheese. It's the least vegan thing possible, but I always say that I would bathe in a bathtub of mac and cheese if it were socially acceptable. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I feel like that's a hard question for me. I very much like resonate with your saying like there are restaurants that I love more mm -hmm. than like this is the food that I love. Like I love certain vegan restaurants and I'm like everything on their menu. I just want to get in there, but I'm not like this is the food I dream about. Maybe cinnamon rolls. I think you, I was just going to say, I'm pretty sure cinnamon rolls are your thing. Cinnamon rolls and donuts, number one. Yeah, and maybe I think, yeah. Some like dessert. just sugar in general. And okay. I also think, I feel like, I yes, I could definitely say mac and cheese is my favorite food, but I actually feel like I have a harder time saying what I don't like when it comes to food oh. than what I do like. Because I think I just, I, I think I just like food. Like I just, I'm yeah. a Taurus. I just give me all the food all the time. <laughs> Just give me food. Really give me all the dessert. And do not bring us two spoons because I'm not interested in sharing. And she will stab your hand you, if it's a fork. You will learn the hard way. My dessert belongs to You'll me. lose a finger. No question. <laughs> no sharing. Okay. No notes. No notes. I is like, okay. <laughs> no. I love it. Thank you well, so thank much you for both. being here. Yeah. Thank you so much. Great to be here and have a beautiful rest of your day. You too, huh? Okay. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Cheaper Than Therapy. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to share it with a friend, subscribe, and give us a five-star review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. 
And if you want to connect with us more, find us on Instagram at Cheaper Than Therapy, the podcast. <laughs>